Well, it's Friday of Father's Day weekend, and it seems fitting to start the show with the title from Father Knows Best. Actually, that's the play going on at Mass Starts Theater right now, which we are talking about on the show today along with a special guest. It's the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Yes, and you may be saying two weeks ago we talked about Father Knows Best, and you would be correct. I am uh, co-directing slash assistant directing, I guess the program says assistant director. Uh, John and I have been tossing around uh, the titles of co-director and assistant director. Assistant director is fine with me, but anyway, all that being said, I've really enjoyed being involved with Father Knows Best at Master Arts Theater. Well, in conjunction with that, Lauren Chapin, who played Kathy Kitten Anderson, is coming to Grand Rapids for a special event at Faith Reform or Faith Baptist Church on 44th Street um, in the Grand Rapids area for a one-night-only event at 7 p.m., and tickets will be available at the door. Um, as of right now, they are $16. They may be a reduced rate by the time we get there, but I can't guarantee that, so that's why I am telling you the $16 price. But they will be available at the door, and you won't want to miss this important, exciting event. And I had the privilege uh, a couple weeks ago to sit down with Lauren and have an extended conversation over the phone. And so what you're about to hear is that. Um, now, Adam has a quote of the day, and then we, we have some words for our fathers, and then we will get right into the Lauren Chapman interview. And our quote of the day comes from Lauren Chapin herself. As you know, only one really knows best, our dear God. Yes, and it, it's fitting that we are talking about Father Knows Best, I think, on Father's Day weekend, because as John and I allude to in the program, if you've come to the Master Art Show, we, we see that there are some spiritual lessons in the show. As Betty gets exasperated by her father, we think of fathers don't exasperate your children. And as Betty decides to disobey her father and leave the home, we get we get the chaos and comedy that comes from her disobeying. So we see those two truths not being enacted, and we see even in the comedy of Father Knows Best that there is a lot of truth to the scriptures, and that our Father in Heaven does indeed know best. And it's it's against this backdrop that she wrote a book um, called. Father really does know best, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the interview. I don't want to take up any more time with intros, but first, it is Father's Day weekend, so Adam, do you have anything that you would like to say to your father? Well, Dad, I just want to say thank you for all the sacrifices you've made and for all that you've done for us. It's interesting, as as I get older, I realize more and more of what you do for us each and every day. And for my brothers, for those that don't know, I, I have little brothers that are all under the age of 13, They're ages 12, uh, 10, and 8. So my dad is still very busy, <laughs> even at the age of 50. So to see what he does on top of two jobs and, and what he does to provide and just what he gives, um, I don't think I'd ever say thanks enough, Dad, but I, I truly am so grateful. And Dad, I want to say thank you too. Um, this podcast exists in part because of you. The reason is because without you, I would never have gone into ministry. There wouldn't be a speaking for him. If you hadn't constantly been telling me after college, particularly that I had a story to share and that God 
had a platform that he wanted me to embrace, and it's because of you that um, the Speaking for Him podcasts exist, and we're we're almost um, you know we're to four and a half years. It, it, it's all because it's largely because of you and your influence in my life, and and you are also the one that gave me the passion for the Word of God and the passion for the family as God intended it. And those are two of the key bedrocks upon which speaking for him is uh, firmly planted. And so I want to thank you, Dad, for that, and thank you for the courage of your convictions over the years. Um, if any, if you know anything about my dad, you know that he is a man of courage and conviction. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank him for that. All right. Well, without further ado, I want to share with you my interview with Lauren Chapin. I think you will really enjoy this interview, and it will whet your appetite for what's to come on Saturday at Faith Baptist Church on 44th Street. Remember to call Master Arts and get your tickets or show up at the door 7 p.m. Saturday night and come to this wonderful event where Lauren will be sharing more of this story. So without further ado... Here is Lauren Chapin. All right. Well, this is Andrew Gomison uh, with the Speaking for Him podcast, and I'm very privileged today to be joined by phone um, by Lauren Chapin, uh, who many of you will know as um, Kitten or Kathy on the Father Knows Best TV show. Um, And uh, she is coming um, the weekend that this podcast posts. Uh, to the Grand Rapids area um, um, in an event for Master Arts Theater, and we're very glad to have her coming. And so I thought I would take a few moments to uh, get to know her a little bit and whet your appetite for what you'll hear if you come to that presentation. So um, welcome to the show, Lauren. Um, can well, we... Go ahead. No, I was going to say thank you, Andrew, for inviting me. I well, um, I, I'm fairly young, I'm 38 years old, but um, uh, several years ago I was in the library and I discovered um, some classic Christmas radio shows, and I think that was my first exposure to Father Knows Best, was through the radio show, and then after that I found out that it was on TV, and I've watched a few episodes here and there, become a big fan, so when Master Arts said they were going to do it, I wanted to help direct, and so I'm working with John Miedema, um, another director at Master Arts, to put it together, and it's been fun to work on, and uh, as such, when I found out that you were coming, I was very excited, and um, I, I was able to get your information, and so here we are. So I'll just start out by asking you to tell me a little bit about your growing up years. Father knows best. And I was, um, let me see. 
see, when I got the show, uh, I was six. When I started filming, I was seven. And um, I had no clue uh, who the people were that I was working with. I didn't know that they were actors. I didn't know that they were bona fide stars. Uh, I didn't find that out, quite frankly, until I was 15. Uh, when the show ended and I had time to watch television and I saw movies that Robert Young was in and that Jane Wyatt was in and that Eleanor and Billy were in and I was like amazed that here I am, this little nobody who's never done anything uh, working with these people. (laughs) It was fabulous. It really was. So you said uh, Father Knows Best was your first time on a TV show or of doing acting of any sort. So how did you know Correct. how did you know that you wanted to try out for this show? Well, I really didn't want to try out for this show. You know, uh, was not my idea. Um, my mother was in New York doing a uh, she wasn't doing it, but my brother was doing a stage play on Broadway entitled Three Wishes for Jamie with John Rayton and Jeffries. And um, I was in a Catholic convent, um, and my mother had a, a an agent friend by the name of uh, Hazel McMillan, and Hazel, uh, of course, gets all of the, you know, input on, on who's casting and so forth. So she thought that they were casting for a little girl uh, my age, and um, she knew me. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was taking singing lessons from her. I was really a singer more than I was an, a- an actress. I wasn't even an actress. So um, she called New York and asked my mother if I could come and uh, do the audition. And my mother said, well, she can't act. And uh, Hazel said, no, no, I think she can't. Uh, so uh, she sent me out on the audition, and the rest is history. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about the audition process? I understand there were a lot of people that auditioned for the part. Yeah, there were. uh, There were 250 girls that auditioned, and I won the part. And uh, I'm not going to give it all away because I really want to talk about this on stage. so, but I, I will say that it was uh, a, a fun experience, uh, a little scary, uh, since I had never, you know, done a cold reading or an audition or uh, even did a pilot. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just followed instructions, and there we went. And, and perhaps that was one of the things that they liked about you. I know... I can't imagine casting for a TV show because casting for this play was hard enough to try to make the right decisions <laughs> about who was going to play each role. And some of the roles we had a lot of people try out. Some of the roles we didn't have anybody try out and we had to pull somebody into the show. Yeah. So it, it's it's definitely a challenge casting. Well, yes, and, and I think it was going for a look at the time. They were looking for the most cohesive cast that looked like family. Um, so everybody kind of favored everybody. And, and for me, 
um, I favored uh, another girl by the name of Kathy, and I'm not going to give that away because um, they can hear that when I speak. But um, that was kind of delightful. So um, I think that's how they cast this particular uh, show. So it was kind of fun. All right. Well, um, and I understand that you, that you want to make sure that you have plenty to share with us when you come. There will probably be several people that will listen to this broadcast that won't be there, so just keep that in mind a little bit as we're answering the rest of the questions. Um, I was just wondering, could you talk specifically about your relationship with Robert Young? What was it like having him as your TV father? Well, I'll tell you, he was... Was, uh, just the most darling man in the whole world. Um, Mr. Young um, had uh, some ups and some downs. He did battle with depression, and um, well, he, uh, at that particular time, was uh, sober. Uh, he had been an alcoholic, uh, from what I understand. I never, he never drank on the show. Never drank off the show uh, while we were working. As a matter of fact, he was the head of, of AA, and um, but he went through dry drunks, and uh, dry drunks are, are when you just, I guess, crave the alcohol, and your body goes through some some sort of uh, metabolic changes, and he got very depressed. And uh, when he would get into moods like that, absolutely nobody could talk to him. We were all banned from getting close to him. He would come and do a scene, walk off the set, and then nobody saw or talked to him. But when he was in his rightful mind, and uh, not in a depression. Um, he was the kindest, most loving gentleman. Um, he had he had a little MG, uh, a black MG with red interior, and it was a convertible. Um, he would drive over to my house and pick me up for the weekends and take me home to his house. And I would play with his four daughters. And um, at Easter, he had Easter baskets for me. At Christmas, he had Christmas gifts for me. He, I didn't have a father living in the house. So Mr. Young was my, you know, my second daddy. And um, I just adored him. He was just really the nicest, nicest man in the whole world. And I never called him anything other than Mr. Young. And to this day, still call him Mr. Young. Uh, that That's very interesting. I, I think that's one thing that we who watch TV shows often wonder is how the cast relates um, you know, after they, uh, you know, off on and off the screen. And so that's very interesting that he actually became a father figure to you when you needed it. Um, how, oh, yeah. how was the rest of the cast to work with? Did you, did you get well, along with them off screen? Absolutely. Well, Jane, uh, Jane Wyatt, um, became my dearest friend. Just, uh, such a wonderful woman. She and Eleanor were really much closer during the time of shooting than I was to her. I was more of a daddy's girl. Eleanor uh, was more of a mommy's girl. And so um, Jane and she, and Billy, 
uh, were extremely close uh, to Jane. And it wasn't until after the show that I became uh, very close to Jane. And as a matter of fact, when she passed away, uh, all three of us uh, were at her funeral, and Billy was a pallbearer for her. And uh, we all stood up for her. Um, and she was honored by the Catholic Diocese uh, for her work um, as a Christian. She was, she was just the most beautiful lady in the whole world. And um, Eleanor and I fought like regular kids, you know, and Billy and I, uh, we got along really well. He was just like one of my other brothers, and um, I don't remember us fighting. Um, I think maybe I might have had a crush on him, uh, but we were just like regular siblings. We get along perfectly, but Eleanor and I, <laughs> we would fight like sisters. I didn't ever have a sister in my own life, uh, only brothers. So, um, you know, there were little girl traumas and dramas and, and young lady traumas and dramas. And, uh, but uh, she and I, uh, to this day, and Billy, are so close, you know, I mean... Uh, We've done two remakes of Father Knows Best, 1977 and 78. And um, it was just like putting on a very comfortable pair of shoes. And um, then after that, you know, we would see each other. And um, I, Ellie and I were neighbors at one time. And so, you know, I mean, it's just like being with your own family. That's really neat. I, I know as an, yeah. an, as an Andy Griffith fan, I watched... Eleanor on about a season and a half of Andy Griffith, and I always lamented that her character didn't work out on that show because I always thought that she was the sweetest, at least on screen. And so it's neat to yeah. to hear that there was some reality to that. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, she she's just a darling. I, I just adore her. Yeah, she's a wonderful, wonderful actress and a, a wonderful mother. She has uh, five sons. And uh, one of her sons is a uh, Episcopalian uh, minister, and uh, she's a Christian. And just, you know, I, I, I just really have the highest respect for her. That's awesome. Um, well, the ideal environment that you experienced on set, you mentioned earlier, it was magical. And it sounds like the cast was great to work with. But it was a it was a quite a contrast to your home life, and I know that you will go into this in more detail um, a little bit when we get together um, live. But um, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and some of your struggles as you were doing the show. Well, you know, I was raised um, by a single mother. My mother and father had gotten divorced uh, when I was. Uh, five and a half, almost six years old. Um, my father was a pedophile, and uh, I was the recipient of that. And he was also a very abusive, abusive man physically. And um, my brothers were the brunt of that. And um, so uh, that was contrary to what Mr. Young was like. Um, my mother was uh, physically very ill. She had 
tuberculosis, and she was an alcoholic, uh, raging alcoholic. And uh, so when I was born, Andrew, I was taken away from my mother uh, to live with my aunt and uncle because my mother had a bout of tuberculosis at the time. So I never got to bond with her. And um, our relationship was very tenuous, to say the least. Um, she just really didn't like me. There were a lot of dynamics that went into why she didn't like me, and um, it, it, it was just real difficult. Um, I worked um, 12 to 14 hours a day uh, with school, with studying my script, with shooting and rehearsing. Um, the hairdressing, makeup, and so forth. And so by the time I got home, um, I barely had time to eat dinner and go to bed. So um, I never went to real school. I went to school on the, on the set and um, had three hours, uh, not consecutive, but five minutes here, ten minutes there, half an hour here, maybe uh, an hour very rarely an hour in school. So you can only imagine, it, you don't learn a lot, and I surely did not. Uh, by the time I uh, finished uh, at 15, I probably had uh, an 8th grade or ninth grade equivalency of school. All right. Well, um, I had read that after Father Knows Best, you had a hard time um, getting other uh, jobs, and of course you grew up on this set, so you didn't know really anything other than growing up with these people, um, as so many other child actresses struggle with. So could you talk about life after Father Knows Best and the adjustments you made well, you know, sure. You know, it, it was difficult because one day, first of all, we were not told, the, the kids, actors on the show were not told that our show had uh, been diminished, that they were not picking up our contract, that we were out of the job. And so when hiatus uh, was over and I walked to the studio lot to go, you know, on my set, I was blocked. And I said, what do you mean? And the guard at the studio said, well, Miss Chapin, didn't they tell you? You don't work here anymore. So that oh. was devastating, absolutely devastating for me. The next devastation was having to go to unemployment and pick up my check in the unemployment department uh, along with all the other grown-ups and has-been actors and actresses and unemployed. Uh, that it, it was just a, a, a horrible awakening. And, um, and then every time that I would go out on a, on a call for a, uh, a show, because I still looked like Kathy, nobody wanted to hire me. And um, I was, I did book uh, a movie, and it was a movie called Lolita, and uh, I had won the lead role in that, that Sue Lyon had, and uh, Mr. Young and Mr. Rodney from uh, Father Knows Best.
producers uh, went to the producers of the uh, movie and said, absolutely not, you will not use Lauren Jacob because we still have a show on the air and it's an award-winning show and we are not about to have one of our children play this part. And they had enough pull in Hollywood at that time and there it went by the wayside. And uh, then I was cast in one other television series with Steve Meadows and Audrey Meadows uh, no, Jane Meadows, and um, when it went to sign the contracts, it was a five-year contract, uh, Steve said, ah, no, I, I, I don't want to be tied down to a series, so, you know, I'll do the pilot, but that's all I'm going to do. And um, so that went by the wayside. And then I just couldn't book jobs. It was it was so difficult. So I dyed my hair blonde, and uh, I lost a lot of weight. And then all of a sudden, guess who I looked like? I looked like Sandra D. And then I really couldn't get a job. <laughs> so it was, you know, I was struggling all the way around. And uh, I had moved at that particular time from my mother's house because the situation was very volatile and, and not healthy for me. And I moved in with my father and stepmother. And um, I, that was even worse. And so I stayed there for a year and then I was out of there and, and married. I got married at age 16. So, um, you know, my it was... It was a very hard transition for me. And as often is with children actors on television that are typecast, um, it's it's difficult to get work afterwards. Yeah, I, I remember that particularly being said of um, uh, Ken Osmond, I believe, who played... Um, uh, Eddie Haskell on Leave It to Beaver, he said he had a real hard time um, getting yeah. jobs because he was this bully on Leave It to Beaver and he never really got beyond that, so he became a police officer and went on with private life other than doing some reunions for Leave It to Beaver. Um, so I, I've definitely heard of that. And um, so as we move along, could you tell us a little bit about your children? I know you have. Uh, a daughter and a son. I do. Uh, my son has blessed me with two grandsons, and uh, so I'm incredibly happy that I have uh, three beautiful men in my life. Uh, my daughter uh, is just really talented. She has been talented all of her life, and um, I'm the one who got Jennifer Love Hewitt started in the industry. Uh, she and my daughter were best of friends when they were little, and her mother, uh, Love's mother, asked me if I would manage uh, and guide Love, and I said that I would. And um, I took both Summer, my daughter Summer, and uh, Love, Jennifer Love Hewitt, out to L.A., and they both were signed by... Uh, my agent, Wilhelmina, at the time. And um, when I came home, 
I really started thinking about it, and I said to Summer, I said, I know, honey, that you want to be an actress, but there are certain characteristics that a child needs to be a success, and you don't have those characteristics. And I'm not saying this as a negative to you. It's just that your personality is strong, and um, you're very, you're a very capable young girl. But you don't like to follow instructions, and you don't like to um, be anything other than yourself. And I said, when you're in the industry, you have to be pliable. You have to be willing to, you know, wear no makeup. You have to be willing to uh, play different parts. Um, and, you, and you just, you, you're, you have the talent, but your makeup just doesn't lend to the type of child that's easily led. You're very, very strong in your spirit. So I said, if you have talent when you grow up, then, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll address this again. But in the meantime, you're going to get an education because for me, that was the most important. So I told her, I said, uh, if you want to do theater, uh, I'll back your play uh, in theater. And she did. So we not only did theater with her, but we did a lot of beauty pageants and groomed her to be Miss America. And uh, she went all through the Miss America system and um, got to the last part of uh, Miss Florida. And then she said, um, after she had won, she said, uh, Mom, I don't think I want to be Miss America. I'm going to go out to L.A. and try to make it as a singer because she, at age 12, was inducted into the Orlando um, Opera Company. She was a color tourist soprano and a beautiful opera singer. And um, she went out to L.A. and, of course, everything that she tried to do, they said to her, Oh, you're too educated in your voice. You know, we need you to to not sing educatedly. <laughs> Pop music, and but you know, I really don't do that. And so uh, that was okay. She understood that, but she kept running into um, the Hollywood couch. And uh, I had told her when she moved out to Hollywood at age 21, Summer, L.A. will ask you to do things that um, go against your Christian upbringing. And I said, it's up to you. Mommy Sam's are not going to be there. I won't be there to fight your battles. It's up to you that when you get into a tough situation to make the right choices. And I, I cannot tell you how many telephone calls I would get from her saying, Mom, you'll never, you're just never going to guess who approached me. And it, these, these guys, these men, these producers, and she just got so disheartened. She said, Mommy, I don't, I don't want to be in this industry. <laughs> and I said, well, good for you, you know. So. She said, I'll be uh, not in front of the camera. I'll not sing anymore. She said, I'll, I'm going to forge my own business, and I'm going to uh, be a success. Turns out she is an 
incredible makeup artist and has won uh, a nomination for an Emmy for her PBS work uh, for PBS Studios. And uh, also now she has her own business, her own company called Premier Stagers. And uh, she does interior decorating for multi-million dollar homes in uh, California that are up for sale. So she's really a big success and uh, I'm very proud of her too. That that's amazing. I'm I'm very grateful to hear that and just to to hear how um you took the time to pour those those Christian values into her and how that paid off as she got into that environment and realized um that it wasn't for her and uh I'm I wish her nothing but continued success in what she is doing. Um, so we talked, uh, about, um, your life and how there's been a lot of ups and downs, but could you tell us, um, how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, I would be more than happy to. Um, I had gotten very ill during my son Matthew's, uh, fourth year of life, and, um, I had gone to the hospital with viral encephalitis. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was given last rights. They did not think that I was going to survive, but I did. And um, while I was in the hospital, uh, my son was picked up by my oldest brother and his wife, who uh, was a born-again Christian, and um, she taught Matthew uh, how to pray. Were you going to say something? No, go ahead. Okay, um, so she taught Matthew how to pray, and they both took Matthew to church. And um, so when I came home from the hospital, Matthew would, would come. I, I wasn't allowed to sleep in, in a bed. I had to sleep on the floor because I had grand mal seizures, and they didn't want me walking out of the bed. <laughs> so uh, he would kneel down beside me, and he would pray a little small child's prayer for God to heal his mommy. And then once I uh, was healed, um, Matt said to me, Mommy, will you come to church with me? And I said, no, sweetheart, I won't. And uh, he said, why not? And I've always been blatantly honest with both of my children about my past, about who I am, about my mistakes, about my shortcomings, and about my successes. And um, I have, there's no shame in my game because every decision that I have made, good or bad, has been a stepping stone for me to get closer to God. And um, so I, I told him, I said, no, I can't. God doesn't want me in this house. And if I ever walked into a church, Matthew, I'm telling you, innocent people would be hurt. Because the wrath of God would fall on that place. And he said, but, Mom, why would they do that? Because. And then I laid it all out to him. And he got big tears in his eyes. And um, he said, Mommy, he said, I don't care about that. And I don't think Jesus does either. Please come to church with me. So... With that, I said, hmm, okay. I said, okay, but look at Matt. We won't go to your... Literally, Andrew, I was scared to death. 
I really was. I was so afraid that something bad would happen if I ever darkened the doorway of church. And so uh, I said, we'll go, but not to your church. So we uh, we went to eight of the deadest, coldest, refrigerator churches in Orange County, California. I call it the Church of the Frozen Chosen, because if Jesus was there, uh, nobody met him. I mean, they were churches that were as dead as dead as could be. And uh, I told Matthew, you have great churches. I don't want to go back. And so he said, well, you gave it a good try, Mom. Okay. So uh, about a month later, uh, my friend who lived across the street from me invited me to uh, another church. And uh, she said, we've got some great-looking guys, and you might enjoy, you know, meeting the people. such a great story and I'm excited to share it with my listeners and excited to hear you share it with our audience when you come to Grand Rapids um, this weekend um, and so I'm very grateful that you took the time to share that so what are some things you've been up to since that turning point in your life well let's see I am a uh, licensed and ordained evangelist and I travel and speak in churches all over the world. Um, I host tours to Israel. And um, I just found out, which is so wonderful. Uh, I've always been raised in a Jewish community. And uh, I've had an affinity with uh, the Jewish people. Uh, I've been going to Israel since 1986. And I love Israel. And uh, my daughter and I did our DNA, and uh, comes to find out, I'm Jewish. <laughs> and so I go, I, I call up my Jewish friends, and I said, guess what? I'm in the family. <laughs> I've always been in the family, but now I'm just the family, you know. And they said, yes, but, but what about him? And I said, oh, you mean Yeshua, Jesus? And they said, Yes, what about him? I said, 
he's there too. And I said, don't forget, he was a Jew. And I said, I am now completed all the way around. And um, so it, it's, it's been a weird thing. So I, I do that. And um, also I've been doing a lot of plays. I just finished doing Barefoot in the Park. And uh, now I have a YouTube show that uh, a friend of mine has written and is producing. And uh, he's, he's, you know, he's still a little wet behind the ears, but he's doing a pretty good job because he's doing everything. And it's called uh, School Bus Diaries. And I play Mama Beth, the school bus driver. And um, it's very fun to do. We go back into shooting again uh, in August, uh, late July, August. And uh, it's, you know, I keep myself pretty busy. Yeah, so is some is the first part of School Bus Diaries, is that available now, if we look it up? Yes, it's on, yes you can look it up on YouTube, and uh, there's uh, quite a few seasons. Um, let me see, yeah, just go to YouTube and look up School Bus Diaries. You can punch in my name, do you know what I mean? You put School Bus Diaries well we'll I'll definitely put a link to that on the blog post for this um podcast episode so um people can Great. go to my blog which which will be um there will be a, a, a announcement about my blog at the end of the show so you can go to the blog and find that information along with Lauren's new YouTube show school bus Diaries all right well it's been a been a thrill to talk to you today. I just have a couple more quick questions. And, um, okay, and I just want to say one thing. If anybody would like to invite me to come speak at their church, would you uh, give them my telephone number? They can call me directly. And uh, I would be glad and more than happy to come and minister at their church. Oh, absolutely. I will make sure that I, um, because I don't have it off the top of my head, but I will make sure that I put it in my show notes for when I um, record the podcast episode, and I will um, mention it on there, and yes, I will include that on the blog post as well. And our final two questions are, first of all, um, tell us about your book. What led to writing it, and kind of talk about the process. Well... Um, a gentleman approached me from Baylor University uh, and, uh, you know, said, I'd like to write your story. I've had quite a few people ask me to write my story. And because my story is a difficult one, um, I wasn't sure I was ready to do that um, for a lot of reasons. And um, But finally, I just kind of prayed about it. And I said, okay, um, I knew that I, it would hurt my children. Um, I knew that there were things that, you know, could embarrass them, that could uh, could be used to, to harm them, um, because people are not always so kind. Um, but I said, you know what? My story is going to help people. And uh, so I ended up doing it. And... Um, it has been uh, a, a sweet and bitter pill 
but it has been so rewarding. Um, I save the letters from people who write me and share their hearts with me. And I think if it was just for one person that I wrote this book, that they got released and they got help, um, then I, I feel like I've done what God has asked me to do. And uh, it was a catharsis. It was, it was difficult, very, very, very difficult to write. But I, I myself got healing through it. So um, it's, it's a good book. Um, it's entitled Father Does Know Best. And, um, of course, I'm talking about my heavenly father. And um, it, it's, a, it's a good book. It, uh, you can buy it uh, maybe on um, Amazon. It's out of print right now, and I've been asked to do a, a rewrite uh, and to update it. So I'm thinking about that, and uh, as the Lord leads, I will definitely do a second book. All right, well, we will We will definitely keep updated. I've just really enjoyed um, this interview and my interactions with you, and I look forward to hopefully continuing to keep in touch um, as time goes on and look forward to meeting you in person in just a few days as of the posting yeah. of this recording. So that's going to be exciting for me, and I know our cast is also looking forward to meeting you. So, um, but I just have one final question, and that is, do you have any final thoughts for those who are listening today? Maybe a final word of encouragement. Well, you know, we're living in a world today, Andrew, where there is so much, um, animosity, bitterness, anger, uh, resentment, um, it's just, it's sad. It's very sad what our young people are having to deal with today. But if, if I could be an encourager, I would simply say, you know, first of all, I would say, if you don't know Jesus, that's the person you need to meet because he's going to be a friend that will stick with you forever and always. And uh, he will guide you and direct you. He and his Holy Spirit will just bless your life. Um, to not fall into the trap of what everybody else does. Um, watch your mouth. Watch what comes out of your mouth. And because out of the abundance of your heart, so speak of your mouth. And so we want our young people to think before they speak, to realize the effect and the power of your words. Your words can either bless or they can curse. They can bring life or they can bring death. And once something comes out of your mouth, you cannot take it back. So think before you speak. And be encouraged that um, if you have your Savior walking with you, there is nothing that you cannot do. You can be uh, the biggest success. And it doesn't have to be in a monetary way. It can be in a spiritual way. It can be in a simple way. It can be a success in God's eyes and in your eyes. And it, it really doesn't matter what the world thinks of you. You know, it's not important. Everybody's trying to get rich. But richness is not going to save you. Richness is not going to add a day of life to your life. Richness 
business is a burden in a lot of ways. But my thing is, what good does it profit you if you should gain the whole world but lose your soul? And that's what's important in this life is your soul. So think about it and know that you are loved intimately above all else loved by your creator. And there is nothing that you could do or have done that he cannot forgive you. Trust me, I'm one who stands before God as a convicted sinner. Yet he loves me, and I know he loves you. So be encouraged. Amen. And that's that is really the heartbeat of um, speaking for him and the Speaking for Him podcast. Um, I end every show by encouraging others to keep serving the best of masters. And, of course, if you haven't met him, you can't serve him. So I would echo right. Lauren's sentiments that you should come to know him today if you have not already. And we here at Speaking for Him, and I'm sure Lauren would echo this, we are more than willing to give you more information about that life-changing decision. Well, I thank you so much, Lauren, for taking this time, and I thoroughly enjoyed this interview, and as I said, I can't wait to meet you in just a few days. So, um, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew, for taking the time. I appreciate it. I look forward to meeting you, too. You're a sweet young man. All right, God thank bless you. Thank you so much. All right, and there you have it, my interview with Lauren Chapin, probably the highlight of my broadcasting career thus far. <laughs> um, and as I said before, uh, please make sure that you get your tickets for this event. You won't want to miss this live event. Um, it's separate from your ticket to the show, which we also hope you will get. Um, there's still a few scragglers as far as tickets go for the show. Um, and... As of the day of this posting, Adam will be at that evening's performance. Yes. Um, so if you ever wanted to meet the other half of the dynamic duo, <laughs> Adam and I will both be in the same place at the same time, which is not the studio, which is, you know, I think it's kind of special. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but I just wanted to um, do what I promised Laura and I would do, and that is to share her personal phone number um, because she wants opportunities to minister in your local church if she can do that. So her number is 407-234-4526. That's 407-234-4526. She would love to hear from you. And as I said, I will also have information about her YouTube show. And uh, just very excited about the content of this interview and hope that you will Come on Saturday the 17th uh, to hear even more details about how our Father in Heaven does indeed know best. As we wrap up, Adam, do you have any um, more thoughts or any thoughts about this interview, I should say? Uh, hey, thank you uh, so much to Laura for giving your time. Uh, I think it was amazing to hear her journey. Of course, you know, one of the biggest things she's known for is her part in Father Knows Best, but to hear the rest of her career that even continues today, really. It, she hasn't stepped away from it. I think it's amazing how she helped uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt get her start. Like, you know, who would have guessed? We think West Michigan is a small world, but apparently so is Southern California. Um, and to hear just her heart about how she came to know uh, Jesus. I mean, I, wise woman. Such a wise woman right there. 
and so sweet, despite the fact that she's been through the ringer. Um, and that can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And so thankful for the testimony of grace that that was. Well, uh, this has already been a longer style podcast, so I won't say any more. I'll just say um, that I hope you've enjoyed this interview. Please give us feedback. Let us know what you think, and maybe that will help other people um, to uh, make themselves available um, to be interviewed as well. If you have a story to tell, we would like to interview you as well. You don't have to be well-known for a TV show or something like that. All right, well, that will wrap it up. And I'll just say have a great weekend. Hope to see you at the Lauren Chapin event. Um, But if I don't, still have a great weekend. And keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.